This is Rights, Rorts and Rants, where we talk about your rights, how they're rorted, and rant about what you can do about it. Presented by Blue Mountains Unions and Community, also known as the Blue Mountains Unions Council. Our show explores a range of issues from different perspectives. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily endorsed by the Blue Mountains Unions Council. On behalf of Blue Mountains Unions and Community, welcome to Rights, Rorts and Rants on Blue Mountains Radio, or should I say Radio Blue Mountains. I'm Nick Franklin, and today we're going straight to prison, and tomorrow we're going straight to the May Day March in Parramatta. But before we go anywhere, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which and over which we broadcast, the Darug and Gundagurra peoples. We acknowledge their elders, past, present and future. It's been a strange week. We've had a pink moon that wasn't really pink. The Reverend Morrison calling out the evil one. Sleepy Joe Biden clocking up his first hundred days and thankfully turning out to be far from sleepy. Mike Pizzullo taking up the drums of war. And here in the mountains, a familiar smell. Smoke in the air. Not a serious bushfire, but critical hazard reduction burns around the state and locally at Woodford. So there's a reminder of extremely poor air quality around Sydney and the Blue Mountains. It's another reason to join our campaign to bring back smoke pollution monitors to the Blue Mountains. Hundreds have already signed our petition to the state government, but we need many more to reach our target of 10,000. So you can get the petition by going online to, it's in lowercase, l.ead.me forward slash airwatch. I'll repeat that l.ead.me forward slash airwatch. The uh, Environment Minister did make encouraging noises to us to start with, but it's gone very quiet, so we do need your help to get them back. And as promised, at the start of the programme, we're going to jail. Or rather, we're going to try and solve one of the great crime mysteries in Sydney, which is, why is the government planning to build a great big new jail just at a time when the stats for most serious crimes, including murder, are plummeting. And at a time when the jail system, in many ways, has been condemned as a great big expensive failure. In this hour, we'll also be looking at the fatal allure of that lady called Laura Nora, seducer of politicians, who has helped New South Wales have one of the highest per capita prison populations in the world. We'll hear from the archives from prisoners talking with brutal frankness about their own prison experiences. And we'll also discuss those who don't go to jail, but probably should. And again from the archives, a brave detective spills the beans on the levels of police corruption in Sydney in the 70s and 80s. But first, let's look at those plans for that grand new prison. I'm joined in the studio by our legal correspondent, Mike Holland, who's had a long experience of, as a criminal lawyer and as a law lecturer. Uh, Mike, what have you found out about this big new jail? Where is it and what will it be? Well, it's supposed to be uh, near Parramatta at a place called Camellia, 
which was originally uh, identified as a space for uh, uh, more housing, but uh, now it's part of the, the corrective services plans for an extra 5,000 prison beds by about uh, 2025, Nick. So that's the seductive law and order, amongst yeah. other things, yeah, but getting tough on crime is certainly part of it. But also, uh, sentences have increased, prisoners are being refused bail, and we've now got over 25% of people in custody in, yep. um, who have been charged but not found guilty, and they can sit there for up to four years before they come to trial. So they might not be guilty and do four years in That's the clink. That's right. And in fact, uh, they may not be guilty, they're found not guilty at the end, and they may... Um, so they'll have four years in custody. And those people who are found guilty, Nick, uh, they may even get a sentence that's less than the four years that they spend waiting for trial. It's a very unfair system. Do they get compensation? I don't that's a silly so. question, isn't it? No. Yeah. <laughs> but the Parramatta, they're, they're planning to build uh, 100. Um, they've just finished uh, a... Oh, sorry, 1,000. 1,000, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they're also proposing to close down Long Bay... So that's probably around about a thousand. Uh, so it's uh, a replacement prison. then. In it one may way. be a replacement. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't be behind closing down Long Bay because <laughs> it's over a hundred years old and it's it's very antiquated. Have you ever been inside there? I've been to Long Bay. I've been inside uh, several prisons. Yeah. What, what was Long Bay like? I Long, mean, Long you, you weren't sentenced. We have we hasten no, to it. <laughs> Long Bay was uh, a, a, a pretty awful place in some respects but it did have a lot of open space and lots of grass in areas whereas i went out to park lee prison uh several times and that was just horrendous yeah to get into to interview my client i went through i think four cages of, of locked cages so you'd come to a door a prison officer would come out they'd unlock the door they'd let you into a cage where you were locked in and then you walked across 20 meters across to the door on the other side where another prison officer would unlock you and you did that four times before you eventually got to see your client and park lee was also built entirely of bricks it was about um eight ten meters high walls of, of bricks and i was often thought of another brick in the wall yeah it was a really <laughs> horrendous place whereas at least uh, long bay was the old style sandstone yeah uh, Parramatta Jail was another place I went to as well. That was really the old Parramatta Jail. Parramatta I've Jail. been in there. Yeah, it's that a very claustrophobic sort of place. Oh, I found it's, it. It's really, really, really shocking. Was that built by convicts? I think. And the thing about them is, I always think of this when I drive past Lithgow Jail. It's there in the distance, but they're sort of secretive places, aren't they? For, you know, it's harder for the public to get in uh, to know what's going on, yes. and for prisoners, of course, it's hard to get out. And, and also, it makes it very difficult for the families of prisoners to visit. Uh, th there was a new jail opened also, as well as the proposal at Long Bay, a new jail opened in Grafton uh, in the middle of uh, last year. And that's got, that's got accommodation for 1,700 prisoners, uh, 1,000 hardcore long-term prisoners, 300 women and 400 uh, short-term prisoners. But they've built it... Um, about uh, about 11 or 12 kilometres out of town, and at the time they had there were no buses arranged for transport to get families out to visit the prisoners. And of course, one of the things about recidivism and people coming back to jail is that they just can't they they lose their family ties. And this is particularly true with Aboriginal prisoners who are hugely overrepresented in prison, which we'll we'll get to later, 30 years after yeah. that Royal Commission. There's still 30% nearly of the prison population is Aboriginal. So for them particularly, family important, and it, these new jails, big new jails, will probably make it harder because families living further away. They, live, they, they do live further away. The, it's the same with the jail built just west of Kempsey. 
that's about 12 or 15 miles out of town and it's very, very difficult for families to get to. So they've got to get a train down to, to Kempsey, to get to Kempsey Station, and they've got to wait for the, for the buses to go out. And it's not always very convenient. But look, if you've got young children with you, it's just appalling. Uh, and do you know much about what this new jail will be like? Would the conditions be better, do you think? Um, well, it's, uh, it's one of the... There's, uh, I think there's 39 prisons in New South Wales now, and three of them are now run privately. Really? Um, and this jail is run by... A conglomeration, including the, the, the infamous Circo, Circo. the American mm. uh, jail co- company, that, and the, the but the new uh, uh, head of the uh, the jail, he said that part of his performance indicators yeah. that he has to give to the government to show that they're running a, pro- a good prison is for him to uh, address possibly the. A rehabilitation aspects of, of prisoners and I presume that what he's aiming to do is to get the recidivism rate down. For people who don't know, recidivism is where a person goes to jail and then they come back. They keep Jail doesn't fix them up. This is the revolving door we hear about. That's the revolving door. Often, that, what, something like 50% of prisoners are back inside within two years. That's right. Th- yeah, so. And, and, uh, and, and so one of his aims is to um, address the recidivism model but of course these key performance indicators, as we all know, take a long time to build up and a long time to measure, and perhaps it might be two, three, four years before anyone's got any idea whether the prisoners he releases come back within that uh, two-year period, and then by then it might be just too late. I, I remember it was the City Morning Herald in December who got an exclusive front-page story about this new jail near Parramatta, the one, one we're talking about. But in, in the documents they were talking about a business case for a jail. And I thought, what's business got to do with jail? But now you tell me that Circo's involved. Of course, jail is a business. Yes. And it, we're not quite down where the American system is, but there it's a huge business where they have an incentive to keep people inside. And, and um, this is uh, ironic, carrying on with that point you make, Nick. Um, the headline in the New Daily, when the prison in Grafton opened was that Australia's largest prison will be big business on the north, on the, for New South Wales' north coast. So it was looked upon as a great business opportunity. I've heard that before, in rural uh, communities particularly. For, for employment. But the, the general manager of Clarence uh, said that um, his incentivisation, I'll quote him, is actually about me being able to keep them out for two years or more, in line with what is the national figure for all governments in terms of reducing offending. Now, the, the, you know the Premier of New South Wales has got a goal? I found it on the uh, Corrective Services website today. Yeah. Uh, Gladys Berridiklian has a goal of reducing recidivism by 6%. 6%? Right? And oh. guess what? I was looking back through some old material, and, and a previous Premier's goal, about 2012, was to reduce recidivism by 6%. And actually, so but actually, what you, nothing. No, it's worse than that. As your figures have shown, and you might want to look for them now, prison populations in New South Wales have been going up hugely in, in recent years. Uh, Mike, you're looking at those stats. We're looking at prison, and we're looking at crime and punishment, and we're looking at the way they keep building more jails, and the prison population keeps going up, while the Premier has this goal of reducing the prison population albeit by a measly 6%. What are those figures, Mike? Right, well, in, in 2000, there was 8,400, roughly 8,400 prisoners in New South Wales jails. And by 2019, it had gone up to, to 13,500. 
I saw some figures for earlier this year, 2020, it had gone up to about 14,000, but there, had, there was a quick drop of a couple of thousand, and which they put down to the COVID thing. People weren't going out, so they weren't committing crimes <laughs> and, uh, and not... Um, so that's one of the pluses of COVID, it's cut yeah, the crime the blessings. But, but nevertheless, uh, even 12,900 12, prisoners is, is far too much and way above the 2,000 figure, given, as you say, the crime statistics are dropping. And, and I've just got a note here too that the unsentenced prisoners have grown from 6,000... Oh, that was, this was in Australia overall, 6,391 to 14,200, a 122% increase of people in custody over what they were nearly 10 years ago. So it's staggering and it's, it's deeply depressing I, my theory is one of the driving forces is this whole business about law and order and how the media and certain politicians are just sort of uh, under the spell of law and order. So I can remember once when Bob Carr, one of the most successful Labour premiers, kicked off an election campaign by announcing he was going to open four new prisons. So they sort of know that being tough on crime is popular. Yeah. At least they think it is, and it certainly seems to get them elected. Do you think I'm right about law and order being a sort of noxious cocktail that swirls around is, the media? It is a noxious cocktail because it's done by populists in, in the media and by politicians who want to be, be popular. I found a, uh, a note that, that said 47% of crimes reported to police are non-violent, yet only 4% of crime news stories in the media depict instances of non-violent crime. So they ignore the other 43%. I mean, there's a great irony here. I mean, I, I'd argue, and I've been a journalist in my working life, and I know the attraction of crime stories, uh, and I worked at a TV station once where they used to say, if it bleeds, it leads. In other words, <laughs> you go with a murder. I'm ahead of more boring things like a climate crisis or that sort of stuff. Mm. So it, it, it is... It is one of the things that drives up the prison population. Yeah, well, the, 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 the Justice Action Group, is, I've got a paper by them, and uh, they, they quote a previous Inspector General of Custodial Services, a guy called John Padgett, and he said that this uh, 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 tough-on-crime policy and the shock docs, what they do, is indefensible. The, the truth is, and this is a good truth, we're, we're living in one of the safest places in the world. I mean, compared to America... For example, you know, gun crime is very rare here, yeah. but when it does happen, you get the impression it's happening all the time. And the, the worst of crimes, murder, rape, offences against children, they're not generally happened by some monster stalking the dark streets at night. They happen in the family home. That's, and one of the sad statistics about uh, crime that is going up is, is domestic violence and also less sexual assaults. But in terms of uh, overall safety, the, there was a crime sur international survey done in 2000, and Australia did really badly, Nick. We, we were 25 countries. We had the second highest rate of car theft, the highest rate of burglary, the, um, the highest rates of uh, contact crime in covering robbery, sexual assault and assault with force, and the highest over overall level of crime victimisation. That was in 2000. Now, um, now, we're one of the safest countries in the world. 